0: When you think about the author as being Moses, one thing um, that I wanted us to look at and, and understand about Moses is we see recorded events that happened in the Old Testament records. If you go ahead and turn to Numbers 33, verses 1 and 2, Numbers 33 and verses 1 and 2. It says, These are the journeys of the children of Israel who went out of the land of Egypt by their armies under the hand of Moses and Aaron. Verse 2, Now Moses wrote down the starting points of their journey at the command of the Lord, and these are their journeys according to their starting points. When you go to Exodus chapter 17 and verse 14, Exodus 17. And most of you probably looked at these verses anyway, but look at 17 and 14 in Exodus. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And then when you go to 24 and verse 4, Exodus 24 and verse 4, it says, And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord, and he rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain, and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. And then the last one, 34 and 27, Exodus 34 and 27. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Write these words, for according to the tenor of these words, I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. So we not only see in the old law that Moses referred to of writing these things down, but it's not just in one book. It's the idea that he wrote the Pentateuch the first five books. He also was well educated from from what you see and we see it from history, from being in the palace of Egypt. We know he's a leader. We know that he saw these events in the desert. He recorded the events. He had to deal with the people with these events. So here is another part of it. It's interesting that when you come to the New Testament, If you go to Matthew 19 and verse 8, we'll read these since we're here. Matthew 19 and verse 8. He said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And he had written about the having a certificate of divorce. If you go to John chapter 5, verses 46 and 47. John chapter 5. Notice I keep repeating this because I'm looking it up too. In John chapter 5, 46 and 47, it says, For if you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? And then when you go to Romans 10 and verse 5, and I'm sure you would find other passages, but I just put these down here. Romans 10 and verse 5, it says, For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does these things shall live by them. So we see not only Old Testament passages, but also New Testament passages that Moses was the author when you think of this, if you look in your booklet, I, I put several things in there that actually refer to how the book is divided and different ways that different people have looked at the divisions. And I was just going to give you another uh, way the division happens. When you start from the camp at Sinai and basically the preparation for departing, which is Numbers 1 through chapter 10 and verse 10 you see that the first census is made you see that there's order there's arrangement with the camp not only with the camp's arrangement but how they move what people are doing like the uh, Levi uh, tribe Uh, lepers uh, how the lepers were handled when there's marital Uh, upheaval, jealousy, there were problems. Um, You'll see the Nazarite vow, which one of the lessons we will talk about that. We also see the tabernacle service, who will be taking care of the tabernacle. Um, You'll see about the golden lamps, the Levites, and um, also the Passover. So you're, you're getting a lot of information in these first basic ten chapters. We won't go over every one of these, but we will have different lessons on this that relate to us today. The second division, I forgot the cloudy pillar and the silver trumpets. Um, does anybody remember what the, the um, cloud was for? cloudy pillar? Do what? Lead them by day. If the pillar moved, what would they do? They would move with it. If it stopped, what would they do? They'd camp. So the Lord was in control all the time. When we come to the second part, from Sinai to the plains of Moab, it goes from Numbers 10 in verse 11 to, to Numbers 22 and verse 1. This isn't murmuring quails. This is they were murmuring and they wanted meat. So, you know, they, they got quails. Um, there's jealousy with Miram and Aaron, which we remember. Uh, the spies are sent out during this part. Uh, important part about the Sabbath. What's the importance with the Sabbath? The, the rebellion of Korodathan and Abiram, so you're going to see issues there with, with this group. Um, Aaron's rod that budded, uh, Moses' error, we, we have a lesson on that too. The bronze serpent, and uh, this kind of gives you the three main divisions. Any, any questions about that? If you look in your booklet in the introduction, if you notice what I've done is um, I've basically gave you some other sections, and it's like on the, the second page, like section one and two, two popular divisions of the book of Numbers, then the theological uh, themes that some have, have uh, reported um, like the Lord communicated to Israel through Moses, and we see obedience, disobedience, and obedience almost like the judges. But I just gave you an overview here uh, of this part. The third division is Numbers 22, 2 through Numbers 36. Here we have Balaam, the story of Balaam and Balak, uh, which we'll have a lesson on that. Uh there Going back to idolatry, so there's issues there. Uh, The second census happens here. We're gonna talk about the two census, the importance of that. Uh, Joshua will be the new leader because Moses won't go into the promised land. Law of offerings, uh, the directions on what to do with the Canaanites, the division of the land according to their tribes and the Levitical cities and the cities of refuge, that's a kind of a divi- three divisions that give you an overall part. Any, any questions about that? If you can read this, it says, Numbers is the first record of the life of this new nation under their newly instituted theocracy. Egypt and its grueling enslavement is past. Jehovah has consistently and marvelously demonstrated his power to deliver, save, lead, and provide for his people. From Sinai forward, they will learn directly the rewards of faithful obedience or the hazards and punishments of disobedience, and the lessons will touch every member of their society, including Moses. Moses. This comes from uh, Dottie with his numbers on the Bible textbook series. When you you look at this statement that he makes, he basically is telling us that here Jehovah took care of these people. He made them his people. He's going to demand obedience. So is there any difference between us today and that? (laughs) There's not any difference, is there? The interesting part is sometimes because we know Moses is an important factor in, in, in the whole scheme of the Old Testament, we sometimes forget that this even affected Moses, didn't it? Because of errors that he had. When we think about this and, and we carry this to us today, There is reward for obedience, isn't there? And there are punishments for disobedience, isn't there? I mean, that's just normal reactions to the world, isn't it? Well, the interesting part of this is is that it was easier for God to get Israel out of Egypt than it was for him to get Egypt out of Israel. What do you think I mean by that? They kept wanting to go back. They, they wanted certain things, didn't they? They wanted the food or or that. They'd forgotten that they were under bondage, weren't they? Anything else? <laughs> you know, it's it's interesting that when we look at these children of Israel, that here they're they're under taskmasters. They're they're slaves. And yet they want to go back just because of food, right? (laughs) And it's kind of interesting that their priorities were misplaced. When you take this a little farther, this fourth book, there is, and I put reality, there is a sobering reality with this book. And when we say a sobering reality, it involves several different things. When you first think of this going through from Genesis to Numbers, in Genesis, God entered a covenant with Abraham. We all know that, right? He's going to make a great nation, the land promise, and through his seed. So the importance is that we're already starting down this road with Abraham in Genesis 15 and 17. Then, God delivered the people from bondage. So here we have this Jehovah God answering the people, taking care of the people, getting them out of bondage. You would think right then that they'd be pretty happy, wouldn't you? Well, when you go a little farther in Exodus, and let's read that passage, God brought Israel into a covenant with himself and he did it, as, and his was looking at them as a treasured possession. And he reiterates that in Deuteronomy, too. Um, if you look at Exodus 19 and verse 5, Exodus 19 and verse 5. It says, now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. Do you notice that there's an if and a then? And the if says, if you obey and you keep my covenant, then what will happen? you will you will get the reward as a special treasure for as my people the other part of it is in leviticus chapters 1 through 7 he revealed his holiness and the gracious means of approaching him on how how do we handle this worship how do we handle what needs to be done in the temple or in the tabernacle but the, here's the catch Here's the sobering part with the book of Numbers. And that's, we have a God of wrath, don't we? He extended to his disobedient children as well as the enemy nations of Egypt and Canaan. Why did he do this wrath with his children? Disobedient, weren't they? Pretty, pretty easy to do. Is it any different today? <laughs> you know, the wrath of God hasn't changed. And we know how he took care of Canaan, don't we? All of the different tribes over there. I think sometimes we forget that after he did all these things for them, and we've seen it, why in the world would they cause problems? I I would be saying, hey, let God take care of this, wouldn't you? But they didn't. And as a result, his wrath was such that he took care of it. Even like the quote I had before, the quote that Moses fell into that problem too, didn't he? Any comments about that? Well, if if we think about this, why would we study this book? Obvious is what. It's the Bible, right? Any any reasons? God's word. word. What else? Relating to what's going on today. For our learning in Romans and in Corinthians, yep. Anything else? Yep. You know, that's a good point because the plan of salvation just isn't in Acts, isn't it? it starts with Genesis, doesn't it? And goes all the way through. And that's a good point. Uh, to, for us to think about. Any, anybody else? Well, you did good. You got all the ones that I would have thought of. Of course, it's God's work, the character and works of God. The important part, too, in here, he gave us not only as we see um, in the New Testament, but he also here gives requirements for holy living, doesn't he? He he gives them a blueprint that says, if you do this, then what I will take care of you, right? You go to idolatry, you you worship the wood, you're out, right? Or the stone, you're out. So a lot of this holy living and, in, and it was important on what was happening. Well, it's it's also. As Judy said back there, it's instructional as we travel to eternity because they give us examples of things that if we rely on God, we're not going to make the mistakes, even though it's easy to do. Uh, history of God's people. We we have to have the history lessons, as Sam said. Um, balanced theology, in other words, how do we study the Bible? How do we go link it all together? Uh, from Adam to Jesus, as John says, and uh, goes back to the wrath. It's a sobering lesson of God's judgment and his mercy. Any other ones that you want to add? I think many times when when we think about that, we, we forget about the mercy of, of the Lord and how many times... That Moses interceded, and Moses and Aaron interceded for the people when he was going to say, "Get back! What am I going to do? I'm going to erase them. We'll start over." When you um, look in your book, and, and it says why do why we study numbers? If you look in there, I uh, put Psalm uh, seventy-eight you turn to Psalm 78, Psalm 78 and 3, verses 3 through 8, I don't know if your Bible says it, but mine does in the very front of this Psalm 78, it says God's kindness to rebellious Israel. And he starts off with verse 1, Give ear, O people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. Then when you skip to verse 8, I'm sorry, verse 3, Which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us, we will not from their children, telling to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. Verse 5, For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, the children who would be born, that they may arise and declare them to their children, that they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. And then verse 8 kind of hits Pretty strong here. It says, and may not be like their fathers. Mine says a stubborn and a rebellious generation, a generation that did not set its heart aright, and and whose spirit was not faithful to God. So here you're you're referring to a stubborn group, rebellious. Their heart wasn't right, and they weren't faithful it was pretty easy to to narrow that down, wasn't it? When we think about this and, and think about the way God has handled these people, you have to look and say, how in the world, after all that he's done for them, would they start being upset about little things? It's just hard to believe, isn't it? any comments about this so far well if you go back in this booklet i put a paragraph in here that's that's on the very front page of the introduction page and it says the book of numbers describes a journey the journey of people who have already been redeemed and delivered from egypt as they went their way toward the promised land It exactly corresponds to the situation of the Christian in this age. He has been redeemed through the blood of Christ. He has left Egypt, the bondage. He has been brought out from control of the powers of sin and darkness. However, he has not yet entered the promised land. There is still a rest awaiting the people of God, a rest toward which we are pushing forward. The Christian is on a pilgrim journey and he's pressing forward. When you look at this on the top, here, here are the people, and we already claim that these children of Israel were a chosen group. And we see that they're in bondage in Egypt. They're slaves. But we see that God takes them to the Red Sea. He parts the Red Sea in front of them, right? Right? That's, that's pretty big to me. <laughs> and then when he takes them into this land, he receives a message from God on Mount Sinai, and they are nourished by the manna and quail because they've created issues and not been happy, have they? And because the spies went in and gave a bad rap, what happened? They spent a lot of years in the wilderness, didn't they? Forty years. And then when they come to where they're finally going to go into the what we call the promised land, they'll cross the Jordan, and they're, they're given instructions, and Joshua goes through the conquest, doesn't he? Well, how does that fit to us today? Anybody want to hazard a guess? Not enough coffee this morning. When you think about the way the Lord has worked for us, as John says, that continuing story that goes from Genesis revelation the Lord has had a continuous story hasn't he he's had a story of problems he's had a story of good things he's had a story of persecution he's had a story of men and women being killed for the sake of the gospel but when we compare it to what's happening in Numbers, we know that with Jesus' death on the cross, was it just for the Jews? Of course we know it's not. It was Jew and Gentile alike, wasn't it? We all fell into that. It was for all mankind. But we also know that what it says biblically, how many people have sinned? All. So we know that we are in this bondage of sin. You remember in, in Romans it talks about you can be a slave of righteousness or a slave to sin. So here we're in this bondage. So how do we get out of that? They cross the Red Sea. It's interesting, it's red. And what do we have to do? We have to put on the blood of who? Christ. Christ. We have to put on Christ, like it says in Galatians 3.27, and then we cross over, and how are we nourished? Of course, we eat food, but I'm talking about spiritually. God has given us all the tools, hasn't he? As part of this uh, way of going through the Bible, he's given us everything we need, hasn't he? He's even told us that probably there had been... There could have been more written and it would have filled filled up what? Tons of volumes, right? So he's given us everything and with us knowing that we have access to all this, we're still in a wilderness, aren't we? We see it every day now, don't we? We're in an ungodly world, aren't we? We're dealing with some troubled times and we hope and we pray, and we work toward being Christ-like so that we can get into this promised land, don't we? And if we don't get in there, whose fault is it? It's our fault. Now, with the Jews, what was the issue there? They were born into that, weren't they? We're not born, it, we're born again, I mean... But the Jews were born into that up there so that they were taken care of as a special people. But we have to do this, don't we? We have to make that journey. And it's not always easy. Any questions about this? One thing I wanted to do, kind of ending up here, is I wanted to look at a comparison, and I did not put, I only picked, I think, four or five, on looking at Moses and looking at Jesus as we think through this in the book of Numbers. When you see Moses, Pharaoh tried to kill him. We know that. We know that Herod wanted to kill who? Jesus. Let's find him, let's kill him. So there's some comparison there. Also, Moses was sent to Egypt to preserve his life. Jesus was taken to Egypt to preserve his life. Moses spent 40 days fasting on the mountain. What happened with Jesus? 40 days fasting where? In the desert. So these contrast and compare, we're seeing a lot of what happened. He sent 12 spies into the promised land. And God said, you know, go in there and check out the land. Jesus in Matthew 10, when he told them, you know, you're gonna go, you can you can go into the children's hospital and, and what heal everybody. So he sent his twelve disciples to proclaim the truer promised land, which being heaven. And then last but not least, parted the red sea and and Jesus calmed the sea of galilee. Any questions about that? Yes sir. That's exactly right. Anything anybody else? I I didn't put them all down but you're exactly right. Did everybody hear Bruce? Yeah. Passing through the Red Sea, we pass through water to be saved. Anybody else want to add any other ones that you can think of? I only put these uh, five. I'd seen probably 25 of them. Yes, sir. Both lawgivers. both lawgivers, and they were both saviors in a way, weren't they? That they brought the people out. Anything else? Why do you say that with Moses? Yep. A little bit of contrast, isn't it? Yes? Uh, Moses was given the law to give. To the people. Jesus was given the law from his father. Uh, new law to love and other things and to clarify the law. So it was uh, both of them who received the law from God uh, that Yeah, and I, uh, on that last slide, if you saw those little mountains on the top, I put basically Moses' name up there, Mount Sinai, and put Christ over Mount Zion, which is what you were saying, which I should have put up there. Anything else? Well, that concludes the introduction. Unless you have any other comments, thank you for your attention. And we will do the first lesson uh, next Wednesday, which is uh, actually entitled We Are Numbered.